0: listening to an encore presentation of invest talk please call with your questions and comments though 888-99-CHART 888-99-CHART and steve will answer them on the next invest talk
1: welcome to invest talk above average investing for the average investor we try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have as long as they're financial Let's go to Mike in San Jose. How are you doing, Mike? Doing well. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling.
2: I have a uh, 401k from a former employer that I'm in the process of rolling over to an IRA okay. with my current broker. So, however, my, my broker won't do anything but give me uh, basically house the rollover IRA, as I'm sure is normal. My question is, what do I do with the funds? I have no clue on how to pick the right mutual funds or if, you know, what kind of distribution of the funds I should be looking at as far as uh, diversity.
1: How old are you, Mike? Uh, mid-30s. Mid-30s. Okay, so being young, you want to kind of be aggressive. I know it's been very frightening being aggressive the last 10 years, <laughs> but still, you got lots and lots of years. What to actually pick? If you don't know how to pick individual stocks, Mike, I probably would stick with ETFs, exchange-traded funds. And i probably, if I were you, i put maybe uh, 15% of that money in foreign ETFs. You know, they have some, maybe not in Europe. I don't suggest Europe, but maybe Asia, different parts of Asia. They have EWA, which is Australia. EWT is Taiwan. Yeah. FXI is China. EWS is Singapore. EWH is Hong Kong. You know, you could put a little bit in each one of those. You know, uh, okay. that would be your foreign exposure. Then for your domestic exposure... You know, you probably would want to do QQQQ with his NASDAQ 100, which is kind of tech. So put some there. And I, I would just go to the ETS and buy a, a number of index funds and maybe uh, some specialty medical, a little bit of specialty medical, specialty energy, and maybe specialty tech. Those three areas.
2: Okay, so international index fund, technology index funds.
1: And, uh, I would put some in the S P five hundred, you know, for a broad based uh, market, and buy a little bit on dips. Don't put it all to work at one time. Just kind of step into it as and as the market goes down. If it goes down, you want to buy more, not less. Okay, thank you. For your time. Thanks, Mike. eight 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 ninety nine charters our number eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight Al and Seal Beach. How are you doing, Al?
3: I have a managed account with your firm, uh-huh. I'm, and then I also i am put the maximum in a 401k, and I'm holding a couple of uh, stocks that I've had forever. Okay. Can I benefit from a Roth? Would that le- it lessen my taxes in the future? And what kind of investments can I put into a Roth? Can I put I-bonds, municipals, T-bonds,
1: yes. T-bills? Yes, you can put anything you want in a Roth. You can put anything you want in an IRA. Almost anything you want Almost. in both. How old are you?
3: I'm 44. Okay. The stocks that I've been holding, can I roll those into a Roth? I've had them forever.
1: Where are they now?
3: They're just in a reinvestment plan.
1: No, I don't think you can roll any any positions into a Roth or a regular IRA from a normal account. You okay. have to put in cash, then buy what you want from them. Okay. And the answer to your question is yes. Why do I say yes? For everybody else, a Roth is something that you open up, a Roth IRA versus a regular IRA. You put money in there after tax, after tax. Whereas a regular IRA, the money you put in there, you don't have to pay income tax on. The Mm -hmm. reason why I'm telling you yes, Al, is because when you get to retirement, and the reason why I asked you at your age, how many years you got left, okay? But when you reach retirement, and you hinted at it, when you're 65, what if you're still working part-time somewhere? And you still, but you want to take money, you need money from your IRA account, it would be wiser to take money out of the Roth then because you won't have to pay any taxes or income taxes on that money right. while you're paying income tax on the money that you're making, you're earning. When you eventually fully retire, well, not the assumption is that you're going to be in less tax brackets. You're trying right. to keep the lowest taxes. Right. Then you can start taking from your regular. It from gives the regular. you. Yeah, it gives you the freedom to pick and choose. Okay. I appreciate the call. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. 888 99 Charter is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open, 888-992-4278. How are you doing, Manuel?
3: I love you guys' show. I've been listening for about three months, and I learned a lot of good stuff. My question for you today was, the company I work for matches us in our 401k with their own stock, and they're telling me that the stock's going to split. You know, I know then you end up with twice as many shares, but why, why does it split is my question.
1: Okay, good question, Manuel. I bet you there's a lot of people out there that want to know why it does that. Why does a company split? Do you know if it's going to split two for one?
3: I'm not sure. Somebody, one of the other guys that's always paying attention to okay. 401k a lot more than I do will tell okay. me that today.
1: Well, just to let you know that the most common split is two stocks for one, but they don't do that all the time. Sometimes it's three for two or five for three. You can do different ones. Uh-huh. But most common is two for one, so we'll try to stick with that. So what's happening is, is you had one share before at, let's say, it was $50 a share. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have two shares at twenty-five dollars a share. So you didn't really increase the value of your holdings at all. Splits do not increase the value of anything. They just give you more shares. Now why would they do that? One of the main reasons they do that manual is is to lower the price of the stock to make it more attractive for more people to buy. Think about this. What if the stock price was fifteen hundred dollars per share? How many people would be able to buy 100 shares or right, 50 no, shares? Not too many. Yeah. That's right. So they keep splitting. Microsoft did this all throughout all its history when it first started. Split two for one. So did Qualcomm. Qualcomm, which is a huge San Diego stock.
2: Actually, I, have, I owned Qualcomm before it split. So now I
1: have. You can see if it never split, the price would be so high that not yeah. too many people would buy it. The most common reason manual is that they wanted to lower the price to be more attractive to more people. On the second reason they do it, the second reason they do it is to get more liquidity. In other words, if they split it two for one, they have twice as many shares out there to trade. Okay. It's more liquid. More people can buy and sell. Same, it's related to the first reason, but that's the only reason why they split the shares. Okay. Does that sound good? Well, that answered my question. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, man. I appreciate the call. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99CHART, 888-99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Okay, remember, we love beginner questions. Everyone who listens to this program either is a beginner or was one at that one time, so we welcome your question at 888-99CHART. Now, what is the question?
3: I have to say that I'm kind of new to this game. I'm an engineer, so that's kind of what I do. So I was intrigued. I read uh, a year or so ago about option trading. Okay. And so I've been studying up on it and doing some, what, you know, fake trades, paper trades, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I finally actually started a margin account, a uh-huh. little 3500 bucks. You know, just okay. as, as a hobby. Okay. I've doubled the money so far, so I figure that's okay. on little, little stuff. However, my concern is. With options, you know, there's quite a bit of trading. And I heard something the other day on your program that concerned me about taxes. Because I just have a straight margin account, and of course, you know, I trade frequently. What do I need
1: to do or know about my taxes? Almost all that's going to be short-term capital gains and losses. And as short-term capital gains and losses, you need to track. It's going to be all at your your income tax rate. So that $3,500 you made is going to be taxed at whatever income tax bracket you're in.
3: I guess what I'm concerned about is, you know, there's so many trades. And, of course, the brokerage firm I'm with, you have all the paperwork that They're all,
1: Dan, they're not going to send you what's called a 1099. And that 1099 is not going to suffice for your tax guide. What you need to do is set up a spreadsheet for your buys and sells. Just track every buys and sell post the date you bought it, the date you sold it, and make a column for short-term capital gains and a column for long-term. And I have a feeling every one of these trades will be under 12 months in duration. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. every one of them will be a short-term so you don't have to have a separate column. So every one will be a short-term. And if you just print that spreadsheet out when you get your 1099 from your brokerage firm and attach it and write Schedule A on it... <laughs> That's what I do, by the way. And I put, you know, whatever the gain is, hopefully it's always gains, right? That's what we think, Dan. Well, and then write Schedule A on the appropriate tax box in your tax return and just put the total number and say C Schedule A.
3: My concern was, you know, I started with, say, just 3500 Yep. the minimum amount. If I was to lose money, I would claim that as a loss, and if I gained money, that would be a gain. All this other stuff I was worried about, you know, some trades I made lost, of course, and some mm-hmm. gained. But it's only on the total at the end of the year that you're
1: taxed. Correct. Right? Your losses always offset your gains and vice okay. versa. So you never have to worry about that. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Eddie in Sacramento. Hi, Eddie. How are you doing?
2: Good afternoon. Hmm? If it's not going to teach me how to make money in the market,
3: where in the heck do I find out the information and get the knowledge that investors acquire
1: very good question. You need to start reading. I know that doesn't sound exciting, but I'll give you a couple of books that you can look at that you can get out of the library or buy. And it's kind of for the beginners, very easy reads by people who have been in the industry, who've been very successful, and they're written in a fashion trying to give you a feel for how this works. Okay. Go to our website at Vestoc.com. A couple of very good books is A Thousand Miles from Wall Street by uh, Tony Gray. And if you can't write these down, you can go to our website. We record our shows at besttalk.com, and you can listen to it. Common Stocks and Uncommon Profits by Kenneth Fitcher. And uh, Peter Lynch has a very good book, Beating the Wall Street. Or I would suggest you start with those books. They're very easy, and it kind of gives you a good idea of how this stuff works. And if I can give you one kind of rule of thumb, buy stocks that make money. There's too many story stocks, too many hot tips. Don't do any of that. Uh Buy stocks that have good earnings and are growing their earnings. That's a very simple thing to do. And you can find that out by most websites. So I start trying to read a little bit on some of these books, get a feel for how the market works and why this stock or that industry works and goes up. And you you really can teach yourself if you have the interest.
2: What kind of money can a person expect to make in, in the market?
1: There is an element and a feeling of gambling in the stock market. There is that there. Think about it this way. When you're buying a stock, you're buying a piece of that company. If that company is making a lot of money, you're the owner. that company the action of the stock price may go up or down you don't know but if the company is making money over a period of time, the price of stock may fluctuate in differently than the earnings. So what you want to do is focus on the earnings because eventually the stock price will go up to reflect that increased earnings. It may take time. People think they can get in, get rich quick, and then get out. That's not how it is in the stock market. That's how it was in the 1990s, but not anymore. The stock market is going to return you, on average, 10% a year, including dividends because it has for... 70 years. Okay? Great. Thanks. Thank you Great. very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go to Matt in Cupertino. How are you doing, Matt? Uh,
2: thanks for taking my call. A quick question for you is curious in your opinion versus mutual bond funds or individual bond ladders.
1: I would rather see you buy a ladder of individual bonds than bond funds. hmm You know why? You tell me. Bond funds now, you got to remember what a bond fund does. It buys a bunch of bonds. So you get nice diversification. That's a big plus, okay? Mm-hmm but the net asset value of that bond fund will go up and down depending on interest rates, okay? Mm -hmm. So if interest rates are moving up, and you have a bond fund, the net asset value of that fund will go down. You'll still get your yield, in other words, the dividends that are coming in through those bonds. You'll still get those, but if your yield is 5% and the bond fund net asset value goes down 5%, you're no further along. If you buy the bonds direct and you buy a good spread of very safe bonds, I'm not interested in high-risk stuff we're talking about very safe stuff if you buy them and hold them to maturity they also will go up and down in value but you will always get your money back plus the yield if you hold them to maturity whereas in a bond fund that doesn't happen even though they may hold them to maturity but the bond fund value goes up and down based on the interest rates so Didn't you can buy that. a personal bond, and you can buy and hold it, and it will go up and down in value, but if you hold it to maturity, you'll get that money back. That's not necessarily so in a bond fund. It's
2: that makes either- total sense. You saved me a few hours.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I appreciate the call. We have a program that does buy bonds. We hold in maturity inside there. So we know that they'll go up and down in value, but we'll get the yield, and they'll go back to their par value when they mature, so that you don't have that huge risk of a bond fund that will go up and down. You're listening to Invest Talk everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We want to answer your questions. Our listener line number is always ready for you. 888-99 chart. Beginning our experience, we're here to answer your question.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Okay, let's go talk to Art Menlo Park. How are you doing, Art? Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. I just got a question about my
2: uh, 401k. Okay. Um, When I reach uh, 59 and a half, I guess uh, you can start uh, taking distributions. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. At 65, I believe you can start. Are you still working at your employer? Uh, Yes. Okay. And it's 65, I believe, is the age. You can even take it at Uh, 62 in certain circumstances. Again, you need to probably talk to an accountant to get the, the real answer. Remember, I'm It's not my expertise, but I believe you can take it even younger if you want to. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but you could. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, because actually my question was going to be, when you start taking uh, distributions, can you uh, take varying amounts or does it have to be one set amount?
1: Okay, good. that's a good question. When you're in a 401K, at age, unless it's a Roth, if it's a regular 401K, which it probably is, or an IRA, you have to start taking it at age 70 and a half and that is if you are not working for them there are different rules if you, if let's say you're still working you know you're 70 and you're still working I'm not sure about that rule but if you're not working you have to start taking IRA and 401k distributions at 70 and a half the year that you reach 70 and a half
2: yeah because actually uh, the other part of the question was going to be if I'm still working um, and I'm able to uh, take distribution. I was just wondering if you could uh, take, like, take for example, two percent one year, and then the following year, like, take three uh, percent, and then no,
1: you know, at seventy half, the, uh, at seventy and half, they you, they the government has a formula that says, okay, at seventy and half, you're going to live to your ninety. Therefore, you need to take this much percent of your. You, oh, okay. You're told what you have to do, but again, oh. if you're working art, if you're working past seventy. There may be rules that I'm not aware of and that you need to talk to an accountant about.
2: Oh, okay.
1: If you're working. All right, Steve. Okay, but if you're not working, you have to take it based on the government's uh, formula. Uh,
2: but if you're working and you're under 70 and a half, I guess you can't take uh, distributions at all?
1: No, you can, take a, you can take them all out if you want. As long as you're past 65, oh. you can take it all out.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, It doesn't matter if you're working or not. Then you that's right. Be in a higher but, tax bracket, I
1: guess. That's right. That's what's going to tell you. You're pushing yourself into the highest tax bracket there is, but you can still take them out. Oh, okay. Now, see, it depends on how much okay. money you make and what tax bracket you're in. So, if you let's say you make fifty thousand, you take out twenty five thousand, I put you up an income of seventy five thousand. That's going to be a higher tax bracket. Right. So you're going to, have to pay more taxes. So you want to kind of play with it, not to, to pay to pay the least amount of taxes you can, Art. And an accountant will help okay, you with that.
2: Okay, Steve. Thanks,
1: Thanks for the for call. The information. That's a good call. Right. Thank you. Very good call. Thank you, Art. I appreciate it. Let's go to Peter in Anaheim. How are you doing, Peter?
2: Good. How are you, Steve?
1: I'm doing Thanks. good. Thanks for the call.
2: Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. My question is about how to find out whether the institution is buying by looking at the level two time and sale window.
1: Okay. This is how you do it. I don't know if you have the time, Peter, but if you're looking at an individual stock that you're considering if you watch it for a few days on level two and everybody else for everybody else level two you get to see the buys and sells you get to see the offers and the bids you get to see how big they are and you get to see them click off in other words the selling and buying of the stock so you get to know the size of the trade the price movement of the trade and how deep the level is, because level two takes you all the way down to all those people that are offering bids and asks, down deep. You know, I'm bidding $10, another guy's bidding $9.95, another guy $9.90, and you can see their sizes. So, Peter, what you want to look for is what we call block trading. In other words, you'll see, you're looking at a company and it trades 500, 1,000, 200 shares, one hundred fifty. 500 shares, and then you see a block of 10,000 shares trade, and then five minutes later, another block of 10,000 shares traded, either bought or sold. I can't tell you which. Uh, it doesn't matter which direction. Whether prices going up or down doesn't matter. I'm just trying to point out. Watch for those big block trades, and Peter, that's when you know that institutions are either dumping the stock or buying the stock because you'll see the sell of a 10,000 at a lower price. They're willing to take a lower price. There's people, someone's dumping the stock. If you see it at a higher price, someone is gathering the stock, accumulating. That's the only way that you can tell recently, I mean, right now, whether someone is buying or some institution is buying and selling. Because if you wait for a month and or a month and a half and get the report on the number of shares traded and all that stuff, well, then, you know, it's kind of too late. So the
2: transaction price is higher or lower relative to the bid and the ask?
1: Yep, exactly. You'll see like all of a sudden a a 10,000 bid or a 10,000 ask will come in. And that tells you if they're dumping or or buying. So you want to look for the action. Look for the action on the block trading, the big blocks. And you only do that if the stock usually trades at 500 or 1,000. Some stocks trade at 10,000 and 30,000 shares normally. You're looking for that, if it's normally 10 to 20,000 shares traded, look for that 50,000 share block. If it's normally 100 to 500 shares traded, look for that 5,000 share block. You see how that works?
2: Oh, I see. Uh, how it, about dart pool? Is it the well, transactions in the dart pool are recorded in the level two
1: as well? Well, they record them. Sometimes they trade overnight and a big block happens and they get reported the next day. And you you don't get to see it during the action of the day. But they're not as common as people think they are. It's usually an um, institution comes in and starts to position himself uh, over a period of days and sometimes weeks into a stock. And you'll see it at the action. Peter, I appreciate the call. Thank you, Steve. Good, good question. Thank you very much. I'm Money Manager Steve Peasley, and we're here to help you get better results, if we can, with your invested dollars. That's our goal. Do you have a question? Check in now. 888 chart
4: At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though 99 chart 99 C H A R T, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Let's go to Johnny in San Diego. How are you doing, Johnny? Good, good. Brand new to the investment market. Okay. So, just wanted to kind of get a
2: feel for welcome to the club. Of, what kind of things I should be looking for, and what kind of things should I be looking to invest
1: in? This is the first time you really got into the market. Not the first time. The first time
2: uh, I kind of had a bad experience with it, and so uh, I lost about $1,500. Okay. Now I'm just looking around and thinking, you know, it probably is the way to go instead of just sticking the money in the bank because I'm not getting any interest on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. the stock market is the best place to invest money. I will say that. I like real estate, too. Don't get me wrong, Johnny. I, I like real estate. The trick about the stock market is that you don't let emotions control what you do. Don't let fear get you out and don't let greed keep you in. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest lesson to learn for everybody. If you're going to invest in individual stocks, is that your plan, or mutual funds? Uh, individual stocks, probably. Okay. If you're going to invest in individual stocks, the best thing you can do for yourself is learn how to evaluate a stock price and determine whether it's overpriced or underpriced. You will miss some of the skyrockets, like we do. But you'll also, you'll have a margin of safety if you understand that I'm not paying too much for this stock. I'm not overpaying for growth. I'm not overpaying for earnings. Therefore, there's a more reasonable possibility of going up. I think that's probably the best lesson to learn is try to figure out how to evaluate stocks. Try to get numbers on what's the stock's worth and is it too expensive? And stay away from them. Stay away from all the hype that you hear in the news. Make your own decisions. Don't buy other people's tips or other people talking about it. Once it hits the news, Johnny, by the way, once you see it on TV, it's too late. Oh, okay. Too late. Don't buy the top 10 stocks. Don't buy the greatest stocks because they've already moved. That's how they got there. Mm-hmm. Don't buy those. They're very tempting to buy, but don't. Buy the stuff that no one's paying attention to. Now, how do I find those? Those are not easy to find. I will tell you that. What you do is you look around. I've been putting some thought to how people can find stocks and quite a bit of thought. How was the best way for people to find it? And one of the best ways is, what do you do for a living, Johnny? I sell cars. Okay. I don't really care for the car business, but at some point, some point, the parts companies and the companies that make supplies cars with things, they're going to take off before the car business takes off again. The car right. business never stays in the toilet forever. Okay. Right. This doesn't. Take a look around at what you do, your wife does, your kids like or dislike. Take a look around what's hot, what's interesting. When you go to certain stores and they're busy, and what are they selling? That's one way to do it. And Peter Lynch wrote a book on that, and that's how he suggests that you just look around and get ideas. If you do a lot of reading or any reading on economic news or any business-related news, just think when you read something, what companies are going to benefit from that? What companies are going to suffer from that? Mm -hmm. If you kind of just think in those terms, start thinking about it, give it some thought as opposed to just reading, but then think about what you're reading. You'll come up with some better ideas. You'll come up with some ideas. You will. And there's no thing you can just say, do it this way. It's not. There's no one thing that you can do it. So good luck, and I wish you all the luck in picking out some good stocks. Buy earnings. Buy growth and buy earnings. Don't buy companies that don't make money and don't grow their money. Buy those kinds of companies. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you, Kevin. Tracy, how you doing, Kevin?
2: Good, good. I was just curious about uh, what kind of programs you guys use uh, for stock valuation.
1: Well, we have a number of systems that we use with various different calculations, and we try to give you a number, so we, you know, set of a range as close as we can. There's a very simple way if you want to do it yourself, which we use often just to see if there's evaluations. We take next year's earnings, figure out what that growth rate from this year, if it's going up 10%, 20%, and then multiply that times earnings per share. So if it's going up 20%, it's a $2 earnings per share. 20 times 2 is a $40 stock. There's a very simple way to evaluate a stock to get a valuation. There's other things we use. We use interest rates, we use some pretty sophisticated formulas.
4: Yeah, and it depends on the company as well, whether it's a cyclical company or is it something that has a long-term steady trend uh, that you don't really have to worry about the business cycle affecting its earnings dramatically. And then that's that's also very important because those companies that are coming out of recession growing 40, 50%, but as the economic cycle, you know, kind of peters out or we go back into some sort of a a dip in the economy, then that obviously will turn around quickly.
1: So it's much more complex than just saying, well, here's a stock and that is the valuation. There's a lot of things that go into it, sector, interest rates, the mortgage, you know, a bunch of things, a bunch of things go into it. Okay. Quo- so it's really difficult, Kevin. It's what
3: do, What do you discount it at? Do you discount it at the SP 500s, or do you discount it at, like, uh, treasury funds?
1: Many of our calculations use the 10-year treasury, based on that. There's competition for money between bonds, U.S. Treasury, because it's ultra-safe, there's no risk, and then right. risk, which is stocks. So. We'd like to use the Treasury. Kevin, I appreciate right. the call. Thank you. Thanks. Let's go to Sid in Fremont. How are you doing, Sid? Hi, how are you? Good. I haven't talked to you in a while. I know.
2: Well, I'm still here. Quick question. Sure. You haven't brought up closed-end funds. Do you consider closed-end products a good option or
1: not? Well, not if you're indexing. What I'm talking about is the index mutual funds or index ETF because closed-end funds – can trade not at the actual price of what they're worth, what those stocks are worth inside the ETF or or mutual fund. They can trade at a discount or a premium, because closed-in funds is a finite number of shares. Therefore, there could be more demand or less demand for those number of shares. And so the price could be above what it should be or below what it should be, and that's what a closed-in fund does. Now, from a strategy point of view, Sid, if you wanted to buy an index and you can find a close-in fund that's selling at a discount to the actual value, that might not be a bad way because at right. some point, it will probably go to either the value or premium at some point, right? Because it's an index. Right. It's just following a bunch of stocks, the S&P 500. Or the, and they shouldn't sell at much of a discount or a premium because they're just tracking the index. That's all it's doing. But if something happened where it did sell at a discount, that might not be a bad way to go buy it. Sid, I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Very good. Thanks very much. Do you have
0: questions about FDIC security, mortgages, money market funds, losses to your retirement plans? Give us a call today,
1: 888-99-CHART harry in san jose how you doing harry hey doing good steve long time
2: listener and appreciate the education you provide on the show i had a question regarding 401k rollover. i am rolling over my 401k to an ira with my bank and as the usual uh, stuff i have set up a uh, appointment with the advisor with my bank i wanted to know if i don't want to be a couch potato an investor and if i want to actively manage my funds yes. how should i go about what would you recommend
1: well, I don't know if I would roll it over into a bank, because a bank is kind of limits you to whatever they're going to offer you. Now, he's going to, you know, a bank employee is, you know, they have people that offer you mutual funds and a few things, but are you going to try to do it yourself, Harry?
2: I'm planning to do it myself, okay. uh, and I can trade stocks and mutual funds options on through my bank account. I oh, have a brokerage account with
1: them. Okay, yes. and the trade fees are low?
2: I get... Up to hundred trades free per year, and after that it's around seven ninety
1: nine. Okay, that's not too bad. Then yeah, then that's what you should do. You could you could use the bank. Uh-huh. I have no problem with it. It's just I thought they might be limiting you to you know because most banks you can't buy stocks. It depends on the bank, obviously. No, I have no problem with that. And you control and decide what you want to buy and sell. There's no issues there. Now, what you need to do though, Harry, is learn how to manage that portfolio of stocks or ETFs or mutual funds, whatever you're going to be, and kind of don't buy too much of any one thing just rules that you got to kind of understand so you don't get you know, wiped out in one bad trade you know what i mean so be very very careful there got it okay yeah but Thank i have you. no problem with what you're doing sounds all right perfect
2: thanks, thanks harry
1: much. appreciate the call Let's go to Bill in Pleasanton. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing good, you? I'm doing great. Thanks for the call.
3: I have one mutual fund that's it's down about 40%. Mm-hmm. since the meltdown. And it was down, and I just got the quarterly report, and it was down another 8%. You change to a different fund, or?
1: Well, what's the description of the fund?
3: It's a century uh, growth fund.
1: Okay. Then what you want to do is you want to compare it. Go to Morningstar.com and compare it, that particular fund, with all other growth funds. Now, if it's a large cap, small cap... I I don't know, mid-cap, you need to know that, is a large-cap fund, growth fund. Then look at all large-cap growth funds. If they were down 50% and yours was down 40 I know that's bad, you hate it, and I hate it too, but if it outperformed its peer group, you want to stick with it. If the first quarter this year, the peer group is down 12% and yours is down 8 you kind of want to stay with it. I know that doesn't sound good, does it? It doesn't feel good. It doesn't sound good. But, Bill, no, long term, if it's outperformed on the downside, hopefully it's outperformed on the upside as well, and it should make a very good comeback if it's better than the rest of its peer group. Oh yes, it, it's done very well for me. I've just—I'm going to suggest you give it another year. And as long as I'm the same managers there, Bill. In other words, he didn't leave, and now you got some rookie there. I don't—you know—time to leave if that's the case. Okay, thanks very much. Appreciate the call. Let's go to George on Liso Viejo. How you doing, George? Question about international markets:
3: Do they run a cycle like we have in the United States, like the Christmas
1: rally or the presidential? They used to be very, very much tied to our markets. -hmm. But they're getting less and less so. They do not have the Christmas cycle, other than us forcing them to the Christmas cycle. Remember, especially the international markets in emerging markets in Asia, they're not.
2: Yeah. Oh no, I realize. I didn't mean specifically
3: the the. But I meant, do they have other cycles? Other cycles. I see. Uh, Similar to that.
1: They haven't been around long enough. Most of them to have developed those kinds of things. Our market's been. It's old and it's demonstrated years and years and years of. cycles whereas theirs has not been and theirs is tied much more to their economy their growth of commodities and farms because they're still in their infancy as a market yeah
3: i know i see that one of the india funds i watched would go up a couple three weeks it'd be up 20 25 percent and the next time it's down 15 it's like whoa it's a kind of a roller roller
1: coaster that's right george george has hit the nail on the head they can be these merchant markets can be very volatile and they are. Individual stock up and down 3% uh, one day, and down, up, down, and 3% day to day to day is not unusual for them. Yeah, so nice. you got to be prepared for that if you're going to buy these these ADRs. Yeah. Boy, can it be a roller coaster, George. You're right on there. All right. Thank you. Thanks, George. Bruce in Chula Vista. How are you doing, Bruce?
2: Good. All by yourself?
1: I'm doing great, and I appreciate your call.
2: I'm 27. I'm a U.S. Marine here in San Diego. My wife, she's 26. We have a little bit of extra money here that we can invest, let's say, for a retirement for like Roth IRA, which uh, people have been recommending that for us to do. I've heard, too, that if you invest in a Roth IRA, especially if you don't have any experience, they invest in a mutual funds, but supposedly mutual funds, well, it's not a great return because the way they do it, I guess they trade good stocks and keep the bad ones. Am I totally
1: lost here? A little bit, Bruce, but the concept is very good. And, Bruce, first of all, let me say uh, thank you for serving the country. You know, Marine, man, that's a tough thing to be. You have to go through a lot. I have a cousin who's a Marine. I have also a brother-in-law who is a Ranger, Army Ranger. I know what you guys have to go through. I appreciate it. It's... Thank you. Now, Bruce, you got to start a Roth IRA. You're 27 years old. You're a young guy. Your wife's probably a young woman. If you do it now, you'll be rich by the time you retire. If you just put money away in a Roth IRA. And okay. yes, a mutual fund, there are good and bad mutual funds. That's the difficult part, Bruce. Okay. So the question is, you just got to find a good one. I don't mind helping you. If you want to call me at the office, you don't have to hire me. I'm not talking about it. I will give you some names, okay? And say, here's a few names to best okay. in. These have great managers. There's no commissions. You don't pay anybody. You can open up direct with them, the, an IRA, and there's no cost. If you don't mind giving me a call in the office, I'll give you some names and phone numbers and stuff. Perfect. Because mutual funds are what's called prospectus items. You're supposed to get the prospectus, which nobody reads. You know, I can't recommend anything on the air. That's the problem. Awesome. Okay, here's my number. 800-557-557-5461. 5461. And you just asked okay. for me.
2: Thank you very, very
1: much. Thanks a lot, and we appreciate that. And uh, I really do appreciate the Marines. Thank you very much. Now, let's go talk to Paul in Alameda. How you doing, Paul?
3: Great. How you doing, Steve?
1: Good. Hey, thanks for calling.
3: My question was about ethical investing, whereas, you know, me being an investor, coming to uh, money managers like KPP, Schwab, Fidelity, whomever, mm-hmm. and saying, I don't want to do business with China because of, you know by personal reasons or
1: mm-hmm. companies
3: that... Uh, so or maybe
1: don't want to do tobacco companies, companies or arms right. companies, military companies that provide bonds. Right, right,
3: right. Mm-hmm. Is okay. that possible or is it just too convoluted
1: to ferret that out? We at KP Financial would not let you have that opportunity. We would not. But there's a lot of money managers that would be happy to have those kind of restrictions. Those guys will ha- manage your money as an individual only, we have programs that we put you in that we all invest our money right alongside your money. And we will invest where we think is best to invest. There are money managers, though, that will live within those parameters, Paul. So don't think you can't find that if you have that need. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, yeah, they—they they, there are people that do it quite often. They'll not invest in a list of – you can tell them, I don't ever want to see Disney in my portfolio. Okay. They'll do it.
3: Yeah, something like Disney, you figure it out, it's just, you know, like, like I said, you know, maybe companies that don't pollute the water is – yeah,
1: I had a prospective client with a doctor, and she refused to have tobacco companies, certain drug companies, and she was listing all these things, parameters that she didn't want to invest in. And, you know, I had to turn her down because I said, well, our system won't let us do that. I can't, like, pick you out and say, okay, don't buy this for that person, when we might be buying, you know, Eli Lilly, and she may not like something that Eli Lilly does. I don't know. So we, we couldn't do that. But there are registered investment advisors, money managers, that will take that in consideration. Yes. Okay, Thanks Chris. for the call. Pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Judy in Thousand Oaks, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for calling. Um, I have a question about exchange-traded funds.
2: Mm-hmm. Do they pay dividends?
1: Yes. If you buy a exchange-traded funds that has dividends, yes, they'll pay dividends. Yes. Okay. There are some exchange-traded funds, Judy, that specialize in dividends. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. I I just, uh, I haven't really got into extinguished funds. I'm telling you, I think they're going to be, you know, it's a really good way, Judy, to instantly get diversified in a particular sector or a particular, or an index or a country. Very good way to instantly get yourself, and you can get out anytime. You can trade it like a stock, and you can short ETS if you want to.
2: Well, the one reason I was interested is because I don't really understand international like some of the other companies that I'm in
1: individually, so I thought it would be better. Actually, it would be because you'll have some good diversification. Judy, thanks for the call. Hey, you're welcome. Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house, mortgages, reverse mortgages, we're here for you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278.
0: To an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Jason and Chula Vista, how are
1: you doing, Jason?
2: Good, good. Yes. If I were going to use a trailing stop, mm-hmm. uh, or do you even recommend that at all? How would I, I... I use it?
1: Jason, I don't really care what kind of stop you use. You can have a trailing stop. You can have a certain price that you change every day because the the stock is moving up and you want to tighten up stops because of what's happening. Jason, all I ask is for people to have some kind of system that they're using. And if it works, keep it. If it's not working and you're getting in and out, in and out of stocks too fast, then that means your system needs to be tweaked. Okay. But there's nothing wrong with trailing stops. A trailing stop is when, let's say the stock is moving up and it has been moving up for months here or weeks. You keep moving your stop up as the stock price goes up. That means if it's 8% off its high, you get out.
2: That's what I'm looking at. Rather than going in and adjusting just a regular stop periodically, I'm looking at just putting a 5 or an 8% or 10% trailing
1: stop. That makes sense, Jason. Well, all the time you'll take a look at it and say, oh, what percent should I put on this stock is you got to look at the volatility of that individual stock. For instance, some stocks go up three to 5% a day and down the same amount. Well, an 8% trailing stop might be too tight. Maybe a 10% would be better or you know, a 12%. But if a stock only goes up very small and down very small and it's on an upward path, then you could tighten up the stop. Make it a five percent stop. Okay. Look at the individual volatility. Just having across the board doesn't necessarily always work.
2: That answers my question. Thank Thanks, you.
1: Jason. Appreciate the call. Eight 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 ninety nine charters our number eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. James in Sonoma, how are you doing, James? I'm interested in your comments on
2: uh, closed end bond funds, particularly uh. the BlackRock funds, only because I have uh, it's for an IRA and I have absolutely almost zero bonds in my IRA or in my uh, retail account, and I'm getting a little nervous like everybody else is. I'm the same age you are, and um, okay. and I'm just sort of interested in your general comment on closed-end bond funds.
1: Uh, 54 years old, a closed-end bond fund. A closed-end bond fund means that he's looking for income from that, the dividend yield, and is the dividend yield supportive by the price, all those kinds of things. A closed-end bond fund means since closed in, means that it can sell at an at a premium or a discount to the value of the bonds inside the fund. Okay, so it can be worth more or less. But you're really buying it for the dividend. And you'd like to buy it at a discount to the net asset value versus a premium to the net, the net asset value because it's safer. Safer to do so. And if your question is, should you have one? I have no problem with having part of that being in your portfolio, but not a major part. At 54 years old, uh, not a major part. If you're younger, I'd say have less. If you're older, I would say have more. As you get older, I would prefer to see either a mutual fund that's not closed in because it sells right at net asset value, depending on what the interest rates are going to do. If the interest rates are high, bond funds are great to buy. If interest rates are low, they're not so great to buy. All right. Thank you. Thanks, James. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Max and Half Moon Bay. How are you doing, Max?
2: Oh, hello there, uh, Steve. Really enjoy your program. Listen Thank to you. it every afternoon. Thank you. I have a question if you could talk about the styles of investment. Uh, I am looking at the five year performance of two indices, mid cap growth and small cap value. Okay. And I'm seeing that pretty much when you superimpose the charts, they're Pretty much very close to each other and I'm wondering why would someone choose one versus the other
1: okay a uh, very good question max very good uh, let me give you a little history on what kinds of equities do better and what part of economic recoveries or stock market recoveries usually value stocks the value mutual funds work better when the recovery in the economy is, is all well in, in, in advanced and the stock market has moved up strongly, usually value stocks work better. Coming out of recession, usually growth stocks work better. Now, when you go from small cap, small companies, the middle-sized companies, the big companies, coming out of recession, those small cap companies skyrocket. Going into the recession, they collapse like a stone. Your large cap usually go up and down, but not nearly as much in both scenarios. So, when you're coming out of a recession, you want to get into the small cap stocks like the Russell 2000, that index. When you get a recovery, you probably want to move up the size and go to maybe small to mid and to some maybe some large. And as the recovery continues, you migrate into the larger stocks and then you're looking for value stocks. The only reason why you would buy one versus the other is understanding where you are in a cycle and you want to take advantage of. Well, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Max. You know, it's never a perfect science, everybody. I wish we knew exactly when, where we were in the cycle. It's hard to know exactly where you are. Before we go, you can see more about today's topic. Go to investtalk.com. you want to contact me directly, easy to leave a message in the machine. Or go to investtalk.com. I'm Money Manager Steve Peasley, and I want to thank you for listening.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, It's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities.